Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quigley. I'm Jared Prugar. Kevin, it was pure chaos Saturday afternoon and evening, and I'm I was here for it. Everything that could have helped Penn State did so, and it was unbelievable to watch it unfold right before our eyes. Yeah, I think the only thing that we could have hoped for was Notre Dame beating USC. That would have been kind of the icing on the cake or maybe Vanderbilt upsetting Tennessee. Uh, I don't think either of those two things were likely, but if you're a Penn State fan looking at looking toward the bowl season, I think everything that you wanted to happen did happen, like you said. Yeah, and then obviously you look at Columbus and I was not the that was not the result that I expected. Michigan made the right second half adjustments and just blew Ohio State's doors in in a way that you don't really ever see. Uh, so that was impressive. Do I still think that Ohio State is probably one of the top four teams, top five teams in the country? Honestly, yes. Um, only because who else is there? <laughs> uh, you know, at this point in the season, because there's a, there, there are a lot of teams that are have great records. They're nine and two, ten and two, um, nine and three, even, and you just don't know what you've got in those teams. Any like this season has proven that anything that can happen will happen. Um, you know, Georgia handled business. TCU handled their business. Uh, USC handled theirs. And they're, they're going to be in the top four now. Um, you know, Ohio State didn't get the job done. Now, Alabama's sneaking around the chicken coop. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more on what this entails for the bowl season, you know, coming up here in the third in the third segment. But, but man, you you get a loss from Ohio State, which doesn't really, you know, hurt Penn State, help Penn State, doesn't really do much of anything because now that team, depending on where they fall, which I don't think that they would fall behind Penn State by any means, um, they're going to go to the Rose Bowl. So I would expect Ohio State to the Rose Bowl. Michigan's going to be in the playoff unless by some grace of God or football, anything they lose in the Big Ten championship game to a team from the Big Ten West. I don't foresee that happening. Um, if it does, woof. Um, but then LSU loses, um, which was great. It's always good to see Brian Kelly, guys like Brian Kelly lose. Um, I just there's just nothing I like about that guy and his fake southern accent. Um but it was just one of those games or one of those weekends that just you gotta love it. And it was rivalry weekend for a lot of schools. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it's why you love college football. It is. And I mean, rivalry week kicked off in a big way. Sorry, everybody. I'm on a three-day battle with the flu. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, rivalry week started off with Mississippi State upsetting Ole Miss at Ole Miss on Thursday. That led to Lane Kiffin getting a contract extension. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to stay I guess at Ole Miss instead of going to Auburn and then Florida State, Florida on Friday was an absolute banger. NC State upsets North Carolina at UNC. Well, that was a rough day for Carolina football and basketball fans. Both teams lose in a matter of minutes. And then Carolina loses Sunday to Alabama in basketball. Rough yeah. weekend for the Tar Heels. Tulane, Tulane holds their holds their serve against Cincinnati. They're going to go to the American Championship game. Looks like if they can do take care of business against UCF, they're going to be the the group of five team for the Cotton Bowl. Um, 
And then South Carolina upsetting Clemson. South Carolina's playing some really good football right now. They are. Spencer Rattler. Spencer Rattler hates teams wearing orange. He just does nothing but throw touchdowns against them. Yeah. And then you you talked about it. Ohio State, Michigan. I just can't believe Michigan put up five touchdowns of 45 yards or more on Saturday. They sold out to stop the run and make J.J. McCarthy beat them. And J.J. McCarthy shredded them alive. Yeah, and we can say that another team sold out to stop the run on Saturday. We can get to that later in the show, but that's a touchy subject. Yeah, Ohio State had said, hey, J.J. McCarthy beat us, and he did. Uh, if that's how you're going to lose, it's kind of stinks. And then, like you said, Texas A&M beats LSU. Notre Dame-USC, it, the score is really close. I don't think the game was as close as the score indicates, but that was pretty good. And then Oregon State-Oregon. Oregon State completed six passes. Oregon was up 31 to 3 or 31 to 10. It was 31 mm-hmm. to 10. They were up 31 to 10 and lose 38 to 34. And again, they completed six passes. I mean, Pac 12 after dark has not let us down this season yet. And then Tennessee, I can't say Milton is the answer at quarterback. I mean, he went 11 for 21 yesterday. Um, they got that done against Vanderbilt on the ground, 156 to nothing. That's probably going to keep them ahead of Penn State. Um, I think if they was somewhat close, or I think if it was somewhat close, the committee could maybe justify a bump at Penn State above above Tennessee to really get them in that Orange Bowl slot for that the highest ranked team not in a bowl already. But yeah, that was that was a wild Saturday. It was we were treated well. Yeah, and it was, you know, and then we're going to talk a little bit more about Penn State in the second segment, but, you know, Penn State handled business too. Um, So now it's the end of the regular season. It's on to the bull prep. It's on to everything else, conference championship games this weekend. Next weekend coming up is the Army-Navy game, which if you ever have a chance to go see the Army-Navy game, you need to. I was there last year when it was at the Meadowlands. And it was such an incredible experience. It's the only place every game, every game that I've been and any game that I've ever been to where both sides fan bases respect the hell out of one another. And there's absolutely nothing to worry about because you're in the safest area known to man. But we're going to talk more about Penn State and their rivalry game against Michigan State or what you want to call that when we come back for the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the Lashing Out Podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Kevin, I'm Jared. Kevin, we talked about it at length last week. They did it. They brought home the most beautiful trophy in all of sports. The land grant trophy returns to happy Valley or stays in happy Valley. Or now that, you know, obviously the Michigan state brought it there, of course, but it's back and it's going to be on display down a Spartan statue. But man, it feels good to say that university park, Pennsylvania is once again, the home of the land grant trophy. It was, it is, and it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, I really don't have a lot positive to say about that game. 
Um, Sean Clifford completed what his last like 12 or 13 passes. Uh, yeah, he looked I, good. He did. Um, ironically, his first and last pass ever in the regular season were touchdowns. His first one was a bomb at Pittsburgh. And then his last pass at Beaver Stadium was a bomb to Harrison Wallace uh, into the end zone. Beautiful ball. Beautiful ball. Um, but other than that, defense looked looked good. I just have a big issue with the game Yersich called. This is the second year in a row. Michigan State secondary is god-awful. And the entire second half, Michigan State absolutely selling out to stop the run. I think Penn State had, what, less than 10 yards rushing in the third quarter and just kept trying to do it. And Michigan State was stacking the box with eight guys. Their, run, their linebackers were literally falling over their toes pre-snap selling out to stop the run and it was run run obvious passing situation on third down they were bringing the heat and they balled it and move anywhere finally the offense kind of figured some stuff some stuff out they got the deep ball going they got some big plays and got more balanced but that third quarter it was just an ugly play calling quarter for usage yeah and and a lot of that comes down to execution and stuff like that but you know they did just enough to win the game and win it easily so it's, you know, you take the good and the bad. You don't want to give up too much. You don't want to be overly aggressive, put people in bad positions to get hurt or or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, you want to take advantage of stuff like that and, and take advantage of that secondary. But, again, you're down Parker Washington for this season. They they really utilize the tight ends in a big way. You know, Keanje Lambert-Smith had a beautiful touchdown pass, and it's just one of those situations where, Again, you did enough to win. They handled their business. They won big. Um, and now you're riding off into into bull prep and re- finishing up the recruiting cycle. So, you know, as good as Sean Clifford played, and he played very well. The running game, you know, Katron Allen, Nick Singleton doing their thing. Um, tight ends involved. Abdul Carter is a monster. Um, the you know, predator. Was, how yeah, could right. you forget the predator? Never heard right. that all year long, but apparently no. he is the predator. And he and he absolutely it's such a fitting nickname. And and I think that's the other thing too with Abdul Carter is he's better right now than Micah Parsons was at the same age, at the same class. And that's because they are using him the right way. They are getting him into space. They are sending him into the backfield. They're using him and using his athleticism to maximize that. Where they didn't always do that with Micah Parsons. And James Franklin is kind of guilty of this and this is for freshmen and, you know, on, on both sides, is not letting them go, not letting them play. They kind of hold them back to grow, and, and I understand that, right? But Abdul Carter is incredible. He is the next big thing at Penn State if he can stay healthy. So let them go, and they are. And Manny Diaz is taking advantage of it, and boom, you see what happens when on, on the defensive side of the football. And, yeah, they gave up. You know, 16 points, which is more than they've given up. What <laughs> seem yeah, well, it's still less than 20. Um, but yeah, again, yeah, come out, you win, you take care of your business, and it's going it, it and you're 10 and 2, which is something that not a lot of people said. I, I thought that they could be nine and three, 10 and 2 at the beginning of the year. It kind of depended and was um, you know, it hinged on that Auburn game because I think people like to think that Auburn's better than they are, and they're not. Um but you kind of expected them to lose to Ohio State and Michigan, but Penn State came out, won 10 games, 
has the potential to win another one um, in late December, early January. And it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah, it will be. And sorry, uh, the Sean Clifford's last touchdown pass was Keandre Lambert Smith, not Harrison Wallace. Um, yeah, I think this defense this year has been the story all year. That's how they got to 10 wins. Um, the Purdue game, that was the Purdue game. Auburn was just an absolute route. So there's a couple potential games where people thought, you know, maybe they might have slipped up. Michigan State fell from grace this year with that Mel Tucker contract. So, yeah, I think Manny Diaz is taking the talent that he has. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball and has just let them go. Um, Jair Brown had a great game yesterday. And the defense in general just had an excellent game. They had 10 pass breakups yesterday. Only one interception. I thought they could have had three or four, but that defense was high pressure like they've been all year, and they were just knocking everything down. 10 pass breakups in a game, it's that's got to be on the higher end of what Penn State has seen in games. Yeah, and I, that's the thing, man. This team is good, and I think we don't give them enough credit for as good as they are because of Sean Clifford. Everybody take everybody talks about Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford, and he and that's great. But at the same time, there's so much more to this Penn State team than Sean Clifford, and um, and this is a good team, and this is a young team too. This this is a team that you know they're going to bring back their most of their tight ends. They're going to bring back. Uh, a lot of guys on defense, you know, Jair Brown is a, is a big loss. Joey Porter Jr. is a big loss, but they bring back Abdul Carter. They bring back the King twins. Uh, you bring back your freshman running backs and you get Drew Aller. And I'm not saying that Drew Aller is going to be the next Heisman to come from Penn State. They've All the years, Penn State's only had one Heisman, and that's John Capaletti, which is incredible to think about when you see the guys that have come through Penn State um and the players that they have been but you know th- this team is good and they have two losses one's close to ohio state where they dominated for 50 minutes and maybe not dominated but they were winning for 50 minutes and you know michigan maybe maybe it's michigan that penn state's supposed to try to catch right now and not ohio state you know it, you know harbaugh has done a great job with the wolverines and you know, he's one against the Buckeyes two years in a row. And that's something that doesn't really ever happen. So kudos to them, but we got to give this Penn state team and James Franklin credit. Now this is four 10 win seasons uh, for Franklin, which is nothing to scoff at. You know, you got to have some realistic expectations. What do you see Penn state football? They are that middle tier of the, of the upper elite, right? You've got, your Alabama's, who is a, a down year, has got two losses, and they're still in the top five, essentially. Um, you've got Michigan. You've got your Georgia. you got Ohio State, and you got Alabama, you know, TCU, USC. And then you've got Penn State in that next tier down. They've, they've lost two two games, you know. It's infinitely better than what they've had the last two years. But, you know, you got to give them credit where it's due, and, and this is a really good Penn State football team. So it'll be interesting to see who they get, when they get it, um, but uh, for the bowl game. But the fact of the matter is they're a 10-win team going for win number 11 and and going to to look to end the season on a high note. Yeah, and just to go back to that Ohio State-Michigan game, Michigan does look like the team to catch in the Big Ten. And getting blown out like they did, 41-17, they gave up less points 
and only scored six less than Ohio State. And the difference really there was um, – sorry about that. The difference in that game was C.J. Stroud's ability to throw for 349 yards like he did. You know what I mean? It's, Michigan put 252 yards on the ground. Penn State gave up 418. So Mich- Penn State's blowout loss to Michigan – doesn't look as bad now because it looks like Michigan is that number two team in the country and Penn State like you said is just in that second tier of they're not fighting for those top four spots they're fighting for eight to twelve and if that's where the program is now two years after the 2020 season where they started 0-5 and clawed their way back the team's young there's a lot of talent coming up defense isn't losing too much besides Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. Kalen King looks more than apt to, uh, and Johnny Dixon looks more than capable of taking over um, Joey Porter Jr.'s production. Jair Brown's going to be the probably the bigger loss of the two, even though Joey Porter Jr. is probably a little bit more talented than Jair Brown. And then I didn't realize that, I don't know why I never even thought of this, Chop Robbins is only a sophomore. So Penn State has at least one more year of, with that guy, and Abdul Carter is a true freshman. And the rotation that they got on the defensive line and the amount of pressure that they were to generate, really the only person they're losing off the defensive line is BJ Mustafer. Like you just have to feel confident. You did get that 10 win season. You have Michigan at home next year. Yeah. You're on the road. No, sorry. You're on the road to Michigan. No, they're home against Michigan next year. And you know, maybe that's the advantage that they need. I JJ McCarthy is JJ McCarthy. I don't I don't think he's going to replicate that kind of performance too often. I mean, he was 12 of 24 yesterday. It's Ohio state just had a bad game plan. I think they just approached it wrong. So yeah, it'll just be interesting. I think Michigan's definitely the clear number two team in the country. And then Ohio state's probably going to go to the Rose bowl unless TCU or USC loses, especially if USC can avenge the loss to Utah, then it kind of solidifies it. Yeah, they are. They're not quite the fourth best team in the country. And then from there, we'll see where Penn State goes. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see that. But let's talk a little bit more about that when we come back here for the third and final segment of the Lashing Out podcast and the Sports Now Network. segment of the Lashing Out Podcast and Indy Sports Now Network. He's Kevin Quickly. I'm Jared Pergard. We're going bowling, Kevin. We're not going to the bowling alley. We're going to a postseason bowl game. And Penn State could be getting tropical. They could be getting some sun on South Beach. They could be getting some cotton at the Cotton Bowl. Or they could be picking roses out in Pasadena. There are so many options now because of what happened um, the last two weeks with Tennessee getting smoked by South Carolina. South Carolina then beating Clemson, LSU losing, Ohio State losing. There's so much that has happened, and it directly impacts Penn State almost as much as, if not more, than any other team, you know, in the country. Right now, entering the college football playoff ranking show, because those are the only ones that truly matter now. They are 11th coming into this, coming into this week. They won. I would expect them to be somewhere around eight. Um, LSU has three losses. Uh, I don't think that that's 
you know, going to matter. And Clemson's got two not so great losses. Um, so I would expect them to slot ahead of them, given that they've lost the two teams that are in the top five. So that puts them for me around the eight marker. Uh, they come in, coming in on, you know, and the pools that matter up until the college football rankings come out, um, that ESPN produces that ESPN runs the bowls. Um, you know, they're seventh in the coaches bowl, eighth in the AP. So with that said, obviously you've got the top four that are accounted for. You've got USC, Georgia, TCU, Michigan, and that's going to be the peach bowl. And that's going to be the Fiesta bowl. The Rose bowl is the big 10 championship against the highest ranked PAC 12 team. So that could be Washington and Ohio state. So then you've got the at large. Well, you've got the ACC champion uh, or highest ranked ACC. There, uh, the ACC is not making the playoff. There's just no way unless there are a lot of bad things that happen. Clemson is not making the ACC championship. North Carolina lost again for the second week in a row. So Clemson, I would imagine is going to the, they're going either them or North Carolina in the orange bowl. And then it's Penn state or Alabama and, you know, Alabama could find their way into the sugar bowl against the, the big 12. Um, and then the cotton bowl's got an at large team. So a Tennessee type against Tulane. So I think Penn state's best chances are the orange and or orange to the cotton bowl. I would love to see Penn state take on Clemson. Um, and I, and the reason why is because Penn state played in the cotton bowl in the last five years. That's nothing against the Cotton Bowl. I obviously I'm a Cowboys fan. I like Jerry World, but go to the Orange Bowl, man. I first of all, I'd love it because I get to spend some time in South Beach. But get go see what you can do against Clemson. Go see what you can do against Dabo. Um, and get that challenge and see where you're at as a program. Sean Clifford's already opted into the bowl game. So I'd be interested to see. I I would imagine a lot of guys are gonna ride with him. Uh but you know, so many things remain to be seen. Yeah, I think Alabama is definitely the lock for the Sugar Bowl. They're going to be higher ranked than Tennessee. The interesting thing is going to be is whether or not the Cotton Bowl, which is selected by the College Football Playoff Selection Committee, if they see that, like that team needs to be Tennessee, whether because Penn State's been there five years ago um, with the Journey Brown coming out party, that was a fun game to watch, but. I have a lot of concerns for Penn State. If they do go to the Cotton Bowl, I don't think you're going to get a lot of participation. Sean Clifford's going to play because that's that's the guy Sean Clifford is. Like He's probably the most dedicated person in the program the program's ever seen. I don't know if Jair Brown and Joey Porter Jr. or P.J. Mustafer show up for the Cotton Bowl. And I'm not saying like any sort of like that's no I discredit think... to their character or anything. I just don't know if that side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball are going to talk the way that they do. I just I just have personal concerns for that. I think the biggest thing with Jair Brown is he's playing in the senior bowl for the um so I think that he would play in the bowl game. But you're right. You if it was a lower tier bowl game, I think like the Outback Bowl last year, I think we're having a completely different conversation because I think a lot of those guys that game didn't matter essentially. But a, a New Year's six, I mean, and who who knows what these guys have in their NIL deals too. Do they get an incentive? Are the Bulls going to give them an incentive other than a swag bag? You know, yeah, I, I think, I, I think 
just it's just the concerns of the Cotton Bowl because it'll probably be against Tulane or UCF. I I don't think you'll have a lot of lot of excuse me. The buy-in is a lot harder if I'm playing UCF or Tulane versus if I'm in the Orange Bowl on South Beach against Clemson. I have a chance to take a shot at a program that's probably been one of the, it's one of the two best programs of the last what five eight years. Mm-hmm. I have no concerns about seniors playing in that game. And like you said, Jair Brown is in the senior bowl. So I think he'll play Joey Porter Jr., Olu Fashnu, PJ Mustafer. Are those guys going to show up for the Cotton Bowl? Probably. I'm not sure. It's probably an easier sell for them to not show up. But I think 100% buy in for the Orange Bowl just because it's the Orange Bowl. It's against Clemson. It would probably be, probably be against Clemson. I think that's where I'm. that's where I'm sitting on that one. And I think we can, because of the results of this week, I think we can rule out the Citrus Bowl. I think it is either Cotton Bowl or the Orange Bowl. I don't think there's any yes. other options unless USC loses or TCU loses and then Ohio State sneaks back into that fourth spot. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to kind of see how this plays out because obviously we got the champ- conference championships coming up, you know, next week where you've got, you know, Utah, USC Friday night for the uh, for the Pac-12 championship. You've got Kansas State, TCU. Um, so Kansas State is probably going unless they beat TCU, uh, is going to play Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. LSU and Georgia, UCF and Tulane for the chance to go to the Cotton Bowl. Purdue and Michigan. I just the Big Ten West is a shit show. Um, Clemson, North Carolina. So, you know, there's a lot that can happen. Um, but hey, you know, you that's why you play the game. Right. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that goes, because this is, you know, things are out of Penn state's control right now, you know, just like they have been most of the year, but Penn state handled their business when they needed to handle it. Um, Sean Clifford say what you want about him. He did enough to make it another 10, one season. And that's, you know, that's not too shabby. And that's two of his four years as a starter where he was a 10, he won 10 wins. 10, 110 games now those other two years were not good um so you know there's always going to be that but again you know and it, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because so much can happen still and there have been you know looking at some of the looking at the way that a, the ap pool writers or our ap voters um voted there are a couple that have penn state at number six um a lot of them have them at seven and most of them have them at eight so with some all the way down to 12 and you know who knows what they're watching but again you know they've won 10 games now it's recruiting now you got to wrap up this 2023 class and get them to campus get them signed and then build for 2024 as well so this is now the chance where they get to wrap up put the put the bows on the recruiting season and you know Get that bowl prep because as great as the bowl games are, having those extra weeks of practice are even better um, for development. For guys like Drew Aller, for guys like Singleton and and Allen that can now rest and recuperate and things like that. Yeah, I think there are a couple loose ends out on the recruiting trail that they're hoping to really convert. Um, We'll see if J1 Sider can – close the deal on those and get them, get them to sign the paper on signing day. Um, and then we'll see how that turns out. And if they can even turn in a top 15 class, I think 
because last year's class is so big. Last year's class had was so deep, so talented. Maybe you, I think you might have a little bit of a drop off in terms of rankings, but I don't think it, it's not going to be the end of the world. Like they don't have to turn in a top five recruiting class, and I don't think they're going to. Um, but I think as long as you can keep that momentum of a top fifteen top 10 recruiting class, I think we're going to be good to go on that. And then you alluded to the travesty that is the Big Ten West. Um, some positive notes for him out there, though. Uh, Matt Rule has just signed an eight-year, $72 million extension or deal with Nebraska. Uh, not too many people in the country can uh, get fired from their job and get a raise. And then Luke Fickle is allegedly going to Wisconsin for about $6 million a year. So, um we'll see how it goes and just in time for the divisions to collapse and dissolve the big 10 west might actually have some strength growing and i i think matt rule is a fantastic hire for nebraska yeah and it'll be interesting to see that you know what what they do in the next few years for the conference because you know you you're adding usc you're adding ucla these guys have proven track records where they're at now matt rule is, is a little weirder Obviously, he went to the NFL. Didn't really work out for him. College and the NFL are, are, are vastly different, right? Um, and you see it at, at times like where Pete Carroll he has he he's one of the guys that's had success in, in both both areas. Uh, but guys like Nick Saban, who I think actually could have been a really good NFL head coach had he gotten Drew Brees in Miami. Um, things are a little bit different now. I think they worked out for him okay, but. You know, it's a completely different game, and and sometimes you just don't have what it takes to, or not necessarily have what it takes, but just want to go back to the college area. Now, Fickle, what intrigues me about him is the fact that this is the job that he that he's getting um, after the last few cycles. You know, he's a Big Ten guy, Midwest guy. I think that's a good fit for him, but I I think he's and and it goes both ways for you know Wisconsin and him. I think they. They got the right guy. They could have easily taken the, the easy way out, but they got Luke Fickle, and I think that's a good fit. But back to Rule, you know, he built Temple. He built back Baylor. Can he do the same at Nebraska? And this is a team, this is a program that ran off Bo Pelini nine-win season after nine-win season, and that wasn't good enough. So what's it going to take to be good enough in Nebraska? It, they're going to have to temper their expectations and it'll be interesting to see how they do that. Yeah, I think it's it's at least three years to get that thing turned around. He's coming in really late in this recruiting cycle. Um, so next year is probably going to be pretty, pretty much the same as status quo, although they do have the 33rd ranked recruiting class, according to 247 right now. So maybe a little bit extra talent, fresh coaching mind. I think Matt Rule is an excellent coach who can – get the best out of the players that he has. So if they start getting better recruiting classes, Nebraska is that brand. You know what I mean? They they were that brand of the 90s. They've won a couple of national titles there. They've fallen from grace recently, but if he can even start to like get some momentum, maybe the boosters give him some more time. But I think they need to give him at least three years and see where this thing goes. And that's the thing. Nebraska's got to be patient. You have to be patient. Wisconsin's got to be patient. You know, Wisconsin, I think, will be okay because I think they're a lot better of a program and better off. You know, it's not like Paul Chris was this bad coach by any means, but you know, got to let Fickle do his thing, and it, it's going to be interesting to see how how it all goes. 
but you know, two big names come to the Big Ten. You know, you got to love it for the conference. You got to love it for the Big Ten West. Hopefully, it inspires some better play in the Big Ten West. Um, but I'm not holding my breath uh, for that. But you know, it'll be interesting to see how it how it goes. But the good news is. Penn State is heading to a bowl game. We'll know for sure in a couple weeks. Um, not this week, but next week after the co- after the championship games. But you gotta be gotta be excited about the future for Penn State right now. I think so. I think it's the blessing that we have that we're not in the championship game. We just get to sit back, relax, and watch all the chaos ensue. So should be a good week of college college uh excuse me of um conference championship games and then bowl selection show on Sunday. So they will know our fate by then. It's the best time of the year, Kevin. And we are here every step of the way. For Kevin Quigley, I'm Jared Pugar. Thank you as always for listening to the Lashing Out Podcast on the Sports Now Network. We'll catch you again later this week. 